0: When I was 25 and a half, I started a podcast, the goal to review some of the newest and latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this, but there were dark forces tampering with my podcast and with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes. The me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world, but it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we talk about movies that came out on time in our universe because they got delayed in that other universe. I'm your host, as always, Steven Schinder. And with me this time to talk about the Boss Baby family business, it is my good friend from the Just Two Lads podcast, Kelsey Gitlin.
1: Hey guys, what's up?
0: Hey, great to have you here, Kelsey. <laughs> like for once, I have the other lad on here.
1: I know, I was getting a little jealous that that Andres <laughs> had like two podcasts and I only had one, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, I think Andres has been on five episodes of this. And, yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, just recently that two other friends have, like, beaten his record, so.
1: Wow. Yeah. How how do you like that, Andres? You got beat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, Boss Baby.
0: Yeah, so Boss Baby is a movie, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah because first one came out in 2018 and i remember around that time you mentioned like it was a movie you really enjoyed so like <laughs> cu- kind of guide us through like what you enjoyed about that first one
1: so i love babies and something about the way that the animators did the baby animation for this movie just like, drew me in, in a way that I almost can't explain. I think there's something about how little his feet are compared to how big his head is that just, like, makes me want to hold him. But I also just love the fact that the baby had Alec Baldwin's voice. Like, what a weird combination that just worked so well. But yeah, I remember we got in some pretty heated debates over Boss Baby versus, like, Emoji Movie, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, because Andres loves the Emoji movie for some reason.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that was my initial attraction to the Boss Baby movie franchise. It's also just a heartwarming movie when he like crawls into the, is it the ball pit or like the dog play area towards the end of the movie and um, Tim has to save him or something. It's been a while since i've watched the first one but it's very heartwarming
0: yeah I, I remember watching it i think a couple months after like i heard you guys talk about it
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I, I remember messaging you and being like i guess the explosion in the backyard is kind of funny but <laughs> There are also some moments that I find cringe worthy in this movie like mm-hmm. like for me like I vaguely remember like the bathtub scene was cringe and also like the scene where like he tells um the brother like he gives him the pacifier and says suck it and it's <laughs> like that's no just no <laughs> but, yeah
1: I mean some of those cringy things definitely carried over into the second movie in my opinion
0: yeah like i do acknowledge that there are like some heartwarming moments in the first one Mm -hmm. um and i actually like recently watched the netflix tv show boss baby back in business have you ever watched any of that
1: um i don't think so there's something about how they change the animation from the movie to the tv shows that i just i can't i can't do it i don't know what it is (laughs)
0: Right, because DreamWorks, whenever they make a TV show that's based on one of their movies, they'll do like one of two things. They'll make a 2D version because I guess it's cheaper that way. But on the other hand, they might do like a 3D version, but it looks like it's of lesser quality. Um, Like Kung Fu Panda and Penguins of Madagascar come to mind. And Mm -hmm. so I do kind of see that, but I feel like, I enjoyed this more than I expected. Like I was just ready to write it off. Like it has four seasons, but it actually did have like these heartwarming moments. Like it—it's it, a weird brother relationship where it feels kind of like a father son relationship because like the oh. boss baby, because <laughs> like the boss baby is at work and focusing more on that than on like spending time with his brother. So mm-hmm. I kind of got a bit of that. Like this actually has. A bit of continuity within itself. Like it has like this overarching thing that
1: That's cool. I mean, I feel like it because it's geared towards kids, right? Like it doesn't it's not like the adult version of Boss Baby, right?
0: Well, it's not so it doesn't <laughs> I, I feel like it's not as kid friendly as like baby Looney Tunes, like it feels on par with um like penguins of Madagascar, or something like that
1: okay and
0: like there's actually an episode where like i think it's geez i'm gonna get their names mixed up because there are too many (laughs) t names like yeah but like the older brother he and his friend go to see like an r-rated movie i guess and like he it makes him want to be more like an adult and then his parents try to like scare him back into being a kid by like making him drink coffee and do all these (laughs) adult things and and they like discuss like was like becoming an adult and he's like so when did you give up on your dreams and it gives them like this existential crisis of like what what happened to us and it's just like it's very like some things that were unexpectedly enjoyable and relatable for me like and there's even like um like there is like this uh, TV show within it where like they film an anteater and a dog and their names are, like the dog's name is Pig and the anteater's name is Tam. And so because like, you know, we went to Yeezy Irvine and anteaters Mm -hmm. are a mascot, I felt like kind of like I had to really enjoy that that there's (laughs) an anteater character in the show. Like I just Mm -hmm. loved it.
1: Interesting. Maybe I'll have to watch that show then, because I definitely relate to wanting to grow up my whole life. And now that I'm kind of an adult, just really hating it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's interesting. Yeah. There's four seasons of that show. Yeah. So I've, I've missed out on this for like five years almost.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think less than three years because sometimes Netflix does a thing where they'll, they'll put a season or two or three seasons even of a show within one calendar year it's really weird whoa yeah (laughs)
1: that that kid attention span they need like constant new content that's cool um do you do you feel like any of those themes carried over into the second movie since you've seen the tv show
0: yeah in the second movie it felt like it carried over this whole thing of, because, y- you know, the, um, Ted, Ted's the boss baby, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. okay. Like, Ted, even when he's older, he's a CEO, and he's, like, super busy, like, too busy to hang out with family, like, with his brother and his nieces, and, mm-hmm. like, there's that, like, that theme carries over, like, even as they're adults. Like, yeah, they resolved some of that in the show, but these are problems that don't always go away forever right like sometimes Mm -hmm. these like these characters are like people sometimes they're susceptible to making some of those same mistakes and I really appreciated when Tim brought up all like some of the times from the show when like he wasn't paying enough attention and (laughs) like it was like rewarding the people who actually watched the show which I kind of liked.
1: Yeah that's always nice when it kind of gives that like Marvel universe where they, yeah. they reference other things. But one thing I did notice in the new movie that obviously since I haven't watched the show, I can't, I can't speak to it, but how they changed out the actors for Tim, the older brother.
0: I didn't notice it that much. Cause again, it's, it's been like almost three years or two, like, I think I watched it August three years ago, Mm -hmm. so, like, it wasn't as noticeable to me, but what what was it like for you, like, hearing the new voices?
1: I mean, I just love Tobey Maguire. (laughs) I think that's maybe, like, why I noticed it. I mean, James Marston is great. I love him in pretty much everything he's done, but just Tim is Tobey Maguire to me, so when I didn't hear that I was like oh like he's cool but he's not the my Tim you know like he's someone else's Tim
0: right you know? well, like you prefer Spider-Man over Cyclops basically
1: yeah and like don't I know that we're not talking about the Toby Maguire Spider-Man movies but don't I get mean, me we, started we could <laughs> <laughs> like Toby Maguire was the best Spider-Man movie like I love Tom Holland Andrew what's his face was like fine and,
0: Andrew Garfield
1: yeah him but, like, Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. And similarly, he's my Tim in the Boss Baby movies, so...
0: Okay, yeah. For, yeah. for me, like, my favorite Spider-Man movie is Into the Spider-Verse. And then mm. Spider-Man 2 is a really close second. Like, it still really holds up. Mm-hmm. And then the second Tom Holland one, Far From Home, is third place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think... Like I'm one of those people who who thinks that Toby was the best Peter Parker, Andrew may have been the best Spider-Man, and Tom Holland is like the best of both worlds. Um it's I mean, it's kind of a cop-out thing to say, really, but <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with that sentiment.
1: No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying because I do love the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, but there's just a place in my heart for for Toby, you know, even though I don't he's like 50 years something now I have no reason to like him this much
0: <laughs> right I mean it's the memes right Yeah. like, yeah. like, like the whole the dancing thing and oh like my gosh, pizza yeah. time
1: <laughs> yes oh my gosh it's probably just because it was right in that point in our childhood where we were getting totally indoctrinated into media but maybe that's what boss baby is for kids nowadays this is indoctrinating them into the movie scene <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought that otherwise the casting was pretty spot on, in my opinion. I really liked Avi Sedaris as, um, what's her name, Tina, the little, yeah. the little boss baby. Um, I think she brings such a fun energy to every character, and it, especially this one, because she's so zany. It's pretty great.
0: Yeah, I'm used to hearing her voice, um, Princess Carolyn for Bojack yeah. Horseman, and but it's like, that's just perfect casting because you have that same type of character who's like all about work. Um, and yeah, like it just, basically Bojack Horseman felt like it was her sixth season audition tape or however long that show was. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just, I think for the most part, like voice actors just amaze me. Shout out to our friends who are voice actors because you almost like you see them next to the character you know doing their thing but also you don't like they meld into one person which is really cool as well
0: yeah like people don't I feel like maybe it's shifted over the last several years but I feel like voice actors are like the unsung heroes and deserve just as much attention as the actors who are in front of the camera for like live action stuff
1: Mm-hmm. have you seen um speaking of them getting more attention have you seen like the master class with who is it it's a it's a lady who's done like a bunch of cartoons have you seen the ads for that on like YouTube they're doing voice acting master classes now
0: oh no I haven't seen those
1: oh I wish I could remember her name I feel like she did maybe she did Tommy Pickles from Rugrats
0: another baby related thing yeah
1: (laughs) maybe I just love baby tv shows (laughs) um but yeah I think it's cool that they're letting voice actors or not letting them but finally like giving them a platform to talk about their art form because voice acting is hard
0: yeah and like your mention of Rugrats actually reminded me that there were a few other cartoons like around that era sort of where Mm -hmm. it, it involved like kind of similar babies like in these movies like um i remember did you ever watch codename kids next door yes <laughs> yeah there, there's the episode where there's this guy named mr b who's like a villain and he's i think he was supposed to be an adult but he looks like a baby <laughs> but, and like like he wears a diaper but also like a business suit like on his torso <laughs> and has a cigar for some reason and yes I remember
1: this I remember this it's coming back
0: yeah and uh, there's also like a similar type of archetype in Jimmy Neutron like he has like a baby cousin who's like a genius and has like a similar type of businessy voice I think yes and and, and I also like recently I've been re-watching Invader Zim and there's like an episode where there are these aliens that look like babies, but they get trapped on earth for seven years and they have to like disguise themselves as babies and like nobody notices how they haven't grown. And so it's really weird how like you can tell these different types of babies or baby look-alike type of stories in animation.
1: So what you're telling me is that Boss Baby is not an original idea and my affinity for it maybe is a little (laughs) bit misplaced. Is that what I'm hearing from you, Steven?
0: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, is DreamWorks generally completely original or like is any movie company completely original?
1: That's true. There have been a lot of of ideas done already. So I guess we'll give DreamWorks a pass. So I want to know what your thoughts are because one of the scenes that really stuck out to me in this movie is the birthday party scene for Tina where they have the cake and the Hawaiian punch and you know what ensues in that scene so i was just wondering if you had any thoughts about the birthday party scene
0: yeah it felt very real cuz you know tim is tim and his wife are the parents and they're trying to make everything Right for the party, and it's they are making these like frantic phone calls, like, Oh, do we have the right cake? Oh, it, it's not this flavor, right? Because they're allergic to that, and mm-hmm. like just making sure everything goes right. And it's like, I guess maybe that is what parenting is like. Like, it really does feel like Tim has grown, and it made me kind of sad when like the majority of the movie is like he and Ted have to be reverted back to like their younger selves because I I really like when the characters actually get to grow but it felt like a step back to me sort of
1: Mm -hmm. no I definitely I definitely agree I think that that scene was really kind of like the the heart moment of the movie even though there are definitely other scenes that the director definitely wanted to feel more like the heartwarming moment But I think for the adults watching, it definitely feels like you're just trying to do the best that you can for someone that you care about. And like, they don't even notice because they don't even know how much work you're putting in. So yeah, I thought that was a very interesting scene for the adults in the movie theater watching this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and like the bouncy house won't get inflated correctly. And they're like, wait, should we even have a bouncy house here? Like, is that safe? It's like- yeah, it, it, like they just seem super stressed, but it feels like, like you said, it's relatable for the parents and the audience who like, I I guess, get dragged to see the movie. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it actually reminded me Because I had a birthday party like that. I was older than Tina when I was two years old. And we had like a bunch of people over at our house. And I'm sure my parents were just going crazy, making sure that everything was, all the food was there. Everyone had drinks and everything like that. And I was just sitting there walking around with a balloon hat on. that was as tall as me and just like having the best time of my life, you know. So very much put me in the movie as well.
0: Nice. It's funny that you say that because there's also like an interactive Boss Baby thing on Netflix.
1: Interesting. Will it put me in a diaper? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's more like um that Black Mirror thing, Bandersnatch, where you make choices. Obviously, That's it'd be more tame than that because like Black Mirror is more mature, but yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that Boss Baby was like so franchised. I literally <laughs> thought it was just the movie. <laughs>
0: I mean I feel like with DreamWorks they try to franchise all of their different things with mixed Mm -hmm. success so like sometimes they'll have a series based on the movie that's actually really good like the How to Train Your Dragon series Mm -hmm. but other times it'll look like it's just there and like I'm not sure if I really want to check it out because I just like the movie yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Interesting. I feel like I'm learning so much about DreamWorks in just the short time we've been talking.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's sort of like, um, because when the first baby, first baby, the first boss baby came out, <laughs> I guess he's also the first baby. Um,
0: yeah, the first baby in the universe. Ever. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure if the the baby version of boss baby could run for president, he would be like first baby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um do they call kids of presidents like first baby or like first daughter I don't know I've, do you know
0: I've never thought of that <laughs> but like we have like first lady and could presumably have like first gentleman or something right so like, yeah maybe that's the thing I don't know
1: first baby I like the sound of that
0: yeah. that's a
1: patriotic baby <laughs> <laughs> um I lost my train of thought, so here uh, we okay. are.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, obviously, like, this is kind of a next generation story, but also not really, because you still have Ted and Tim involved, yeah. like, with t- equally. Like, I feel like they have as much screen time as Tina does. And, mm-hmm. like, obviously, you have um, Tim is, or Ted, geez, I've too many <laughs> T names in this I know. I'm just gonna refer to them as the boss baby and the older brother just for my <laughs> sake. So the boss baby as an adult is a CEO of some company. And like the way he describes the company is kind of confusing. Like it almost sounds like a Chandler's job type of thing for friends mm-hmm. where yeah. you don't really know what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
1: I, I I also got that sort of sketchy vibe from him as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so Tina works at Baby Corps and, like, she tells them about this formula that turns adults into babies for 48 hours. And, of course, that's how, like, her dad and her uncle, like, get younger again. And she briefs them on, like, this villain, Dr. Erwin Armstrong, who is, like, training He he's like this evil dude training babies to be like bad babies. It's like this super weird plot. Yeah. First
1: of all, that was Jeff Goldblum, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like I don't know what it is about Jeff Goldblum. Similarly to Tobey Maguire, I just love him. (laughs) Like I just love him, and he did such a good job of being this sort of like maniacal, but also kind of absent-minded villain. You know like he just does yeah. so well in those characters and seeing him with all the like legion of babies around him all the time was just so funny to me
0: yeah and it was really uncanny whenever they were able to incorporate his facial expressions like the way jeff goldblum would do that and it was like oh that kind of makes you feel uncomfortable yeah.
1: <laughs> like we're getting too realistic this, this guys is
0: too, this is too good
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I just, I also, I mean, I like the plot, obviously. Is there some sort of deeper meaning that the, that they're trying to get at us? Like parents are trying to make kids naughty now. Like maybe I couldn't tell you that's, you know, up to every parent to decide how to bring their kid up. But I just think that there's something about the next generation story when we've only gotten one movie with the characters that clearly everyone loves since this is franchised to the high heavens, like, to me, it's just like, I wanted another boss baby, you know, instead of a boss baby junior.
0: Oh, like not a next generation type of thing?
1: Yeah, I feel like that's for like the fourth or fifth sequel because I'm sure we'll get there at some point, you know, like how many boss babies can there be, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good point because like usually what happens is like the next generation type of thing like first you'll have like a in some series there's like a trilogy with like the original characters and then maybe like 10 20 or 30 years later or whatever there's like the next generation so maybe that's kind of why they didn't go all in on making it only with tina as the baby like Mm -hmm. maybe they're doing it like step by step trying to ease us into it by showing okay these are the characters that you love but they're also like working with this new character we're trying to sell you on type of thing
1: Mm -hmm. it also makes me wonder because tina uses a lot of phrases that gen zers use like boomer yeah and like things (laughs) like that which makes me think like how long ago was the first movie supposed to be set if they're grown up now? Like, was the first movie supposed to be, like, in the 80s if they're in their 30s? Like, where was this first movie set based off of the timeline of this new movie?
0: I remember the first movie took place in the 70s like I don't remember where in the movie it says it (laughs) but it's sort of like if you look really closely type of thing I think Mm -hmm.
1: okay so I just missed that completely in the first movie
0: (laughs) I mean it's kind of like the Incredibles right where like it's it looks like it's supposed to be the 60s but people don't really think about it that much that's
1: true huh Maybe I was just too enthralled by the cute little baby that I didn't even look at anything. I mean, the sailor suits are very 70s. I will say that. Yeah. Very 70s. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting the huge time jump. Like, I was kind of expecting the next movie to be maybe like when the boss baby was Tim's age in the first movie, and then Tim being like almost a teenager or something. Yeah. But-
0: that would have actually been really interesting Mm -hmm. huh like that's an actually interesting idea I kind of wish I'd gone with that and like saved the next generation thing for later
1: like save Tina for like 30 years down the road you know like Shrek 4 didn't immediately or (laughs) Shrek 2 didn't jump like 30 years in the future you know they waited till like Shrek 4
0: yeah well with the, the Shrek movies they're decently paced like the second one takes place shortly after the first one um -hmm. it's their honeymoon and then the third one is it feels like it's maybe months or a year later maybe and then in the fourth one you see like their kids are like um are like little kids now so yeah they're like decently paced and i'm of the i'm in the minority of like, thinking that all of the Shrek movies are good to different extents. Like, lots of people love to hate on the third and fourth (laughs) ones for some reason.
1: Which one was the one where they had the American Idol at the end?
0: Oh, it wasn't at the end, but it was on the DVD of
1: Shrek Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it was Shrek 2. Yeah, I like that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they had, like, Simon Cowell, like, in 3D. animated. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was, like, that's sort of even, like, the Jeff Goldblum thing that we were talking about. Like, even the best recreation they could do of Simon Cowell was not as freaky as the Jeff Goldblum animation in this that was, like, too close to what he actually looks like.
0: Yeah, and... I, I vaguely remember, like, last year there was that 3D animated uh movie Scoob, you, you know, the Scooby-Doo one, and yeah Simon Cowell was in that one, too, and I think maybe <laughs> he probably looked closer to, like, real-life Simon Cowell, but now it's, like, is Scoob in the same cinematic universe as Shrek now? Like, what's going on? Because Simon Cowell.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, Simon Cowell's, like, I feel like I'm a disappointment in the music industry even though I've made <laughs> like billions of dollars off of American Idol I'm gonna switch to weird animated cameos in movies <laughs> like that's so weird Interesting.
0: yeah yeah it's kind of weird whenever you get like celebrities playing themselves in animated stuff but that's kind of a tradition now I guess like you kind of get them the Simpsons and Family Guy and stuff like that
1: and um the Hercules movie with Danny DeVito when he played Philatides and it was basically just Danny oh, DeVito yeah. as a goat. Like
0: <laughs> yeah, like, like he was playing a different character, but they like mo- obviously modeled him after him. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and he was short. Yeah. So I guess I guess I could get on board with Simon Cowell joining the grand tradition, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about another scene in the movie where they're like really close to stopping Dr. Armstrong and it's like a major emotional roller coaster. I just thought it was very interesting that they keep trying to like almost sacrifice characters in a kid movie. Remember how like in the first movie was it Tim or Ted that was like oh, "I'll sacrifice myself"? And then this time it was Tim like trying to sacrifice himself to save all the babies from this evil guy? I was like, this is crazy. Kids should be watching this.
0: Yeah, (laughs) But I mean, to be fair, we've had movies like The Lion King that have gotten really intense.
1: That's true. That was
0: rated G, I'm pretty sure.
1: What the movie ratings have really changed in our
0: lifetime.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I just, it's just kind of crazy to me how they'll water down some parts of the movie and use all the like lingo that kids use nowadays. But then they'll throw in these super emotional scenes where these two adult men slash babies are like pouring out their really adult emotions to each other in the middle of like a fight scene.
0: Yeah. it and, and they'll <laughs> even like throw in like pop songs from like today, I, I guess, to like be hip with the kids or whatever. Yeah. And I I don't know about you, but some of them really felt like they were trying too hard. But I I don't know if that's just me or what.
1: I will say some of them did, but Doctor Irwin's um, Doctor Irwin Armstrong's montage to "Stupid Love" by Lady Gaga really got me going. Like I wanted to dance along with him when he was like getting all of his stuff ready to fight the babies. It was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, it was kind of catchy. I'll admit. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's just all sorts of weird moments like that. Like there's the one where like the main characters are like dancing to the song One Less Problem Without You. And it yeah. comes like out of nowhere. It has nothing to do with the plot. It's like, they're just trying to get pumped up or whatever. And it's like this, sh- should I like go get snacks from the <laughs> concession stand or what?
1: That's like, that would be the place where that movie theater app where it tells you this is a good time to go to the bathroom like that would be that moment in the movie you know have you ever used one of those apps I never have no but I
0: I forgot about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know if they even still have that anymore but I thought that was the coolest thing when I was little but I didn't have a smartphone to use it
0: (laughs) yeah I mean I mean it's kind of like that um Website aftercredits.com, I think it is, where it tells you if there's something after the credits so you know whether or not to stay and it'll say whether it's worth watching or if it's just whatever. So mm-hmm. things like that are kind of helpful.
1: That's very true. That's very true. I have always wondered what your thoughts were about the diaper monsters in this movie.
0: Yeah, the diaper monsters. Is- I actually kind of, like, we touched a nostalgic thing of, like, when I was, like, a kid reading Captain Underpants books, which, I mean, DreamWorks has also done a Captain Underpants movie and TV show, which are both very good, and it's, like, it kind of feels like that type of monster that you'd find in those Captain Underpants books, where it's kind of stupid, but kind of funny, and it's, like, how are they going to, like, defeat this thing, and so... I guess I kind of dug it but I could see how people would be put off by it because like you know it's diapers and it's like like people don't like to think of like what's it what ends up inside of diapers I guess yeah
1: I did think it was funny that they're supposed to be menacing and like the most menacing thing they could think of was like the greens like smell smoke and flies around the diaper monsters you yeah. know I thought that was kind of like one of those fun kid jokes where it's stupid, but it's also funny, you know.
0: Yeah, and like there, I noticed like there is an Easter egg where amidst the flies, like if you look really closely, you can see Barry from B Movie, <laughs> like in, in a non-speaking role, but it's clearly like J- Jerry Seinfeld's B character from B Movie, like just for like a second, it's like, uh huh, I see what you're doing, dream
1: Yeah. <laughs> They're really trying to get people further into the cult of B-movie stuff. <laughs> I actually didn't notice that the first time I watched the movie. So now I'm going to have to go back and watch it again for just for that moment. And I highly recommend you, you listeners do the same because that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I only watched it once. But how many times have you watched it so far?
1: I've only watched it once. That's why I'm saying I need to go back and watch it again because I totally missed that. And that would have probably gotten an actual like chortle laugh from me if I had seen (laughs) that. Um, But yeah, that's funny. That's funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I know Nathan has said before on this podcast that he will always defend (laughs) B-movie.
1: Oh, I remember speaking of Nathan loving (laughs) B-movie, we were doing something, just me and him, for our improv team and we decided to play hangman one night and he used the phrase you like jazz from the b movie and i was so irritated with him because i could not figure out what this phrase was and i was guessing every letter i ever thought it could be and i ended up having to call like literally phone a friend and ask them what they thought this phrase was and they immediately knew it. i was never so mad in my life (laughs) But
0: <laughs> had you seen B-movie before then or
1: yeah, I'd seen B-movie, but it's one of those things where I was like, oh, it's a, it's a good movie, but I'm not like combing over every aspect. And I guess Nathan, just <laughs> that phrase stuck with him and I had no idea where it came from in his brain.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that phrase became a, a really popular meme. So that's why it's sort of been ingrained in like people of mm-hmm. our generation, I guess. weird
1: maybe i missed that meme it's very possible that i just missed that meme completely (laughs) yeah have you seen any boss baby memes
0: like i don't usually see them but recently there was the one from this movie where Mm -hmm. like uh the boss baby is like dialing numbers on his phone and then he's like saying who he's gonna call and then in the next frame you see tina with her phone and she's like i can do it better and it's like <laughs> that in itself has become a meme for people to use so like they'll put like a movie like two movies that are similar to each other like mm-hmm. I, I remember there was one where one was shark tail and the next frame was finding nemo so it's like i can do it better like obviously they came out in reverse order in real life but for the sake of that meme it was like really funny
1: yeah yeah that's a good one i also love that they gave tina like a pink flip phone reminiscent of the razor for the parents that are watching I just think that even though flip phones are like kind of coming back as touch screens, like the pink razor was an iconic phone for our generation, at least. So I thought that was a cool little nod to us.
0: Yeah. And it also reminded me of Princess Carolyn because like she's pink. So like it it kind of all works really well together.
1: I wonder if Amy Sedaris just really likes the color pink.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, pink is like... Like, pink is one of my three favorite colors, along with purple and green.
1: Oh, really? Interesting.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it used to be just green when I was a kid, because I loved watching Blue's Clues, and Steve always wore green, and that was his favorite color. Yeah, I was just piggybacking off of him, I guess.
1: Blue's Clues was iconic. I, I miss that show. I like the blue and the pink dogs. Was the pink dog called pink?
0: The uh, I think you're thinking of magenta.
1: Magenta yes yeah. <laughs> oh Magenta that was a great show
0: <laughs> yeah well, and like when it changed to his brother Joe hosting the show like at the time like I was fine with it I didn't know there were these other people who were like not okay with it <laughs> and then within the last couple of years there's like a it, they kind of brought it back with a show called Blue's Clues and You where their cousin Josh is the new host and he like mm. calls both of them for advice and like Steve is like a detective at some place called blueprint detective agency or something and it's just that that is fan service done right
1: (laughs) yeah oh my gosh now I need now I'm gonna be watching all these like kid shows my recommendations are gonna be so messed up
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I've only seen that clip but of like the newer one but it was like oh yeah this gives me like I'm really excited for the kids who get to experience this newer version of the show because it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, wow, that's crazy. I used to think when I was really little that Blue was kind of like a doll or a puppet or something. But I didn't get until I was a little bit older that Blue was like an animation.
0: Oh, so you, you thought that like they were using a doll as a prop? Or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Eventually they made like a stuffed animal type of blue for like the spinoff blues room. So oh. yeah. So yeah. But in the original shows, like animation. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Interesting. You know so much about blues clues that I did not know existed either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Just delve into the blues clues lore.
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to know what you thought about the fact that when they took the baby potion, is it baby potion? Is it milk? I don't really know exactly what it is.
0: Yeah. They call it a formula.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, How boss baby goes back to baby, but Tim doesn't go to a baby, which is like, so does the formula not work on Tim as well? Like why is he like six when it's supposed to make them babies, you know?
0: Yeah, it's very easy to miss the line, but there's a moment where Tina is like, "Well, for some people, it might just bring you to a time where you were acting like a baby." And so, like, for like that was like a slight at um, <laughs> the older brother and like how whiny he was at th- that age, I guess. So I thought that was kind of funny. Like, like it's one of those things he kind of shouldn't try thinking too hard about because it's like Mm-mm. you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess also for like plot purposes, they needed someone who is like slightly taller than a baby and like slightly stronger than a baby to do certain things like catapult Ted and Tina like into the heart of the, of the baby layer of Armstrong and stuff like that. So I guess that makes sense, but I just am really a stickler for if it's really a baby, I really want to see a baby, you know?
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I did think it was funny when, like, they stacked themselves on top of each other in a trench coat so that they could get on the roller coaster ride to get to, like, to confront Dr. Armstrong on there. And, like, that. I know that if I were in that situation on that roller coaster, I'd be pretty scared, like, not having the seatbelt on and just fighting on it.
1: Yeah, that was definitely some movie magic that took place unless the trench coat was just really tight which must have been really tight on the inside to hold everyone in place but I do like that Armstrong is is the villain but he's also kind of like quirky just like Jeff Goldblum is you know in real life which kind of makes and like that moment where you almost feel bad for him because he felt like he had really bad parents and like he was just acting out to get attention from them. And so he wanted to make other babies like make their parents pay attention. So you like almost feel bad for him, but then he's still evil, you know, and you don't want him to win. Cause I don't want my baby to be throwing their diapers in my face, you know, like, oh my gosh, what a horrible time.
0: Yeah, because we get that flashback of when he was a baby and like he was acting naughty and like his parents were like, no, bad baby. Am I like, comparing him against the other nicer babies at the daycare? And it's like mm-hmm. he has like this personal vendetta he's been harboring for decades. And he's like he wants everyone to be a bad baby so that he doesn't feel as much like a failure. Like if everyone's a failure, then no one is type of thing.
1: Mm hmm. Which as an adult, I get that. I understand that sentiment because, you know, sometimes you can't bring yourself up. So you just have to hope that the rest of the world just somehow like lowers down to your level. You know, <laughs> Just there's a lot of twists and turns in this movie that I didn't expect there to be, which I guess makes it fun as an adult, because I don't have like a, a little child in my life at all that I would take to see this movie. But as an adult watching it, you know, you can kind of get over the cheesy things that are done for the kids and actually still enjoy the movie a little bit.
0: Yeah, I kind of get what you mean. Um, I feel like maybe it's a case by case basis where you can have cheesy things that appeal to the kids, mm-hmm. but but sometimes it'll feel like too stupid to the point where like really you couldn't have faith in like the kids having better senses of humor or something it's like Mm -hmm. I don't know what like some of the jokes were kind of eye-rolly for me at certain points but there were definitely some good ones like it kind of like went back and forth throughout this one I guess
1: Mm -hmm. oh another thing I really liked in this movie was do you remember the first movie had how they had that like gang of babies that were like not in the family that came to help at the end of the movie yeah how they brought them back as like now they're like adults working for baby corp undercover which I thought was really fun as well
0: yeah because you have that nice bit of continuity and mm-hmm. you, like I'm sure people want to see like what becomes of these characters when they're all grown up and it's like a where are they now type of thing so mm-hmm. it was a nice touch for like people who've like paid attention to the first movie I guess yeah <laughs> I, I did think the sequence where, like, the evil ninja babies were attacking them was kind of fun.
1: Yes. That was something I was not expecting. Because I thought that truly the, like, diaper monsters were kind of it. And then the ninja babies pop out from behind as, like, the the secret service security yeah. for Armstrong. And I'm like, what? How? Do people come up with ninja babies? I mean, it was super cute. They were using like their diaper rags as nunchucks and stuff. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it was wild. I was not expecting that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they did like um like their own parody version of like well the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme songs, but yeah. Instead, it was like baby, baby, ninja, baby. Like it, it was kind of lazy. Like they couldn't think of more words, but it was kind of an earworm for a bit. Like it was stuck in my head for like the whole day afterward.
1: Wow, that would have probably driven me a little bit crazy. So I'm glad it was stuck in your head and not in my yeah, head. Yeah,
0: I, I have to take the hit so that others don't have to suffer.
1: Yeah, there. I want to go back to the soundtrack because okay. I think we, we might have hated on it like a little bit too much. Like there were some good songs, I think, especially because... Was it Hans Zimmer who did the score?
0: Yeah, Hans Zimmer and Steve Mazzaro.
1: I've never heard of Steve. I'm sure you're cool, Steve, but I have heard of yeah, Hans Zimmer. Mean, his name
0: is Steve, so he has to be cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think Hans Zimmer does really great scores for animated movies. I mean, all movies, but especially animated movies. So I did really appreciate the sort of like childlike whimsy in a lot of the score, but also like with the undertones of adult issues that you can't really talk about as an adult but you can as a kid so it was nice in scenes when Tim and Ted were talking about their issues they had with each other as an adult that they had some really nice score underneath it that you could like get behind and like pull on your heartstrings a little bit.
0: Yeah because I'm used to hearing Hans Zimmer's music and a bunch of superhero movies but like, you go back to The Lion King. Like, I think he did the music for that as well. And it's like, even in an animated movie like that, it could get intense. But here, like, he does music that fits this type of story really well. Um, although there is that one scene where things get intense and they kind of, like, he kind of pokes fun at himself by making the music sound super intense, which yeah. I, I, like, chuckled at.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I also think the ending credit song was really fun. Um, the song, the name of the song is escaping me right now, but it's it's like a K-pop song. Um, oh, Dynamite! That song by BTS, um, where all the char- they had the characters, the animated characters dancing next to the people who voiced the characters. I thought that was fun.
0: Yeah, it's like I'd never heard that song before this movie. Mm -hmm. but like once like once like it started playing i got out my cell phone to shazam it and it's like yeah i want to listen to that sometime later
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really fun it's a bop it's a bop
0: yeah kids Mm -hmm. bop 57 (laughs) oh my gosh wherever they're at
1: (laughs) we don't need to discuss the bane of my existence with his kids bop songs (laughs) i wanted to be on kids bop when i was a kid and now i'm just like i'm so glad i was never on kids bop (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I have a bit of nostalgia for seeing the commercials for them as a kid, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't go out of my way to actually get a kid's pop CD. No, Um, (laughs) like
1: all the fun parts of songs are censored out for some reason and then weird parts are left in. you're like, this is not appropriate and yet it's here.
0: Yeah, it's super weird. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's also that... um, now that's what I call music I, I kind of oh, like how yeah. that has become it's, kind of a meme where like it's like the font that they use for those titles but instead someone might be like now that's what I call fn yikes
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I like I like those a lot um I don't know if you know the YouTuber Chris Clemens I do don't. you know him um he is he's kind of like a comedy um Like interview strangers on the street type guy, but he has a Spotify playlist where his thing is like, now that's what I call, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the same sort of idea that's funny.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I I think um I can't remember who did this, but there's like this CD called all the I don't know if it was all the holiday music or all the Christmas. Let me look this up. I don't want to this. Yeah it was like some holiday or Christmas music thing. Um, was
1: it And now that's what I call like Christmas thing or different?
0: It's different. Um, oh
1: maybe I've not heard of this.
0: Okay it's Ellen's The Only Holiday Album You'll Ever Need Volume 1.
1: <laughs> well if it's volume one it seems like you're gonna need more than this yeah. one holiday album. <laughs> yeah
0: like I remember seeing that title years ago and it's like oh that's clever like You make it sound like it's everything, but it's like that implies there will be a second one at some point.
1: Wow, that's wild! I don't remember ever seeing that, but I totally believe that that existed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but getting back to the movie, yes, yeah, we talk about how like sometimes the movie is kind of all over the place, but I do think the like the heart of the movie, like you know, it's like Tina's trying to get the brothers to get along better like like that's her like overall goal alongside like the baby core stuff and battling Mm -hmm. uh jeff goldblum's character and it's like when she finally gets them to talk to each other like they pour out all these like emotions and like talk about what they mean to each other and it's like yeah that's that's like brotherly love like sometimes like brothers are not willing to admit when they've been wrong or that like they miss each other or whatever and the fact that Ted is willing to like make changes to like see the family more often after this like it's just really heartwarming like see and seeing them like when the formula is wearing off like they hug like as they are kids but then they grow into their adult selves and they're still hugging and it was just like so good like so emotional
1: mm-hmm yeah it, it- It really sort of reinforced the idea, especially since, you know, a lot of us haven't been able to see each other, Um, especially I'm in a different state than most of my friends right now. So like, I really haven't been able to see anyone, but having the space to like actually talk to people about how you feel about them and it not be weird. Cause I feel like adults get really weird talking about their feelings for each other. (laughs) I don't know why, but I even like friends, I feel like it gets weird but maybe that's just me.
0: No, yeah, there are definitely some times where it's like, should I tell this person how much I appreciate them? Would that be weird at this yeah. moment? <laughs> yeah, I, so it's definitely relatable.
1: Yeah, I always lean towards it's gonna be weird, and I don't, I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, that's, again, one of those things where it teaches kids to like talk even as adults about their feelings and that it's, it's okay to have emotions, but also for the adults we are like, man, I should really text that guy that I have been meaning to text for like forever to say, hey.
0: Yeah, for like five years or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I also, um, this isn't as heartwarming, it's more funny, but I also like at the end how they give you a fake bloopers reel as though the characters yes. were real, like shooting the movie. I love that when they do that in animated movies.
0: Yeah, I've been missing those because Pixar used to do those with like A Bug's Life and Toy Story 3, or not Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2. And yeah, I just love seeing that type of stuff in animated movies because it's like, oh, these animated characters are real actors. And yeah. It's just them like messing up their lines or whatever. It's just so fun. Right?
1: Oh, it, it, my favorite one, I think was when Tina was in the high chair when she was revealing herself as a, a boss babyette, I guess, um, to her father and uncle and she throws the pacifiers too hard and she flies backwards out of her high chair into the room behind her and you just hear like crashing and then she sticks her little hand out. She's like, I'm okay, I just love that yeah. one. I thought that was so funny.
0: Yeah, I love the one where Tabitha, the other daughter, I think that's her name. Uh, she's like looking through the script and she's like, okay, I, Val's a really good scene we filmed, but you think it could write me into the final fight somehow right? what? And they're saying, oh, it might break the flow. And they're just like arguing, debating back and forth. <laughs> and, I, and it was just really funny.
1: Yeah, I also liked how they had the baby actor for Ted and the adult actor for Ted and like the adult actor when he's off set coming on, he's like in really casual stuff. And then the baby actor when he walks on set, he has like the Gucci sunglasses and like the Gucci slides and of course a diaper because like, yeah. why not? But I just thought that was funny to see them so different in their quote unquote actual lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like whenever I see these blooper reels, like I think to myself, what are the these actors' personal lives like when they're not <laughs> making these movies? Like right? do they even have lives outside of this?
1: <laughs> they just sit in their houses waiting for the next script to come in.
0: <laughs> right. So what are your final thoughts and score of 10 for the Boss Baby family business?
1: Um, I would say my final thoughts are It's a good movie, especially if you have younger kids. But even if you're an adult and you just want something that's not so intense, like a lot of the shows and movies that are marketed towards adults are, it's a fun like movie just to have for a chill night. And I would probably give it seven out of ten baby bottle pops.
0: (laughs) Like the moment you said that, it just, it was like that Ratatouille thing of like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Baby bottle pop, baby bottle pop. Yeah. Yeah. Simple times. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um, But yeah, I think, yeah, I I think this movie was, like, I I enjoyed it more than the first one. Like, it wasn't as cringeworthy. And like, even though we didn't see as much of the adult versions of the characters as I might have liked. Uh, I guess there is like that whole thing of maybe they're trying to ease people into it first, and mm-hmm. again, we had like those heartwarming moments, which like at the end of the day are what really make it for me. um, so for me, I think this one is a uh, seven point twenty five out of ten diapers.
1: hmm. So we're not at Diaper Monster level. That's like a one, two range. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think check out check out Boss Baby 2, Family yeah. Business, ka Wait, that's the wrong movie. That, take <laughs> what, out.
0: Was that Cars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I might leave that in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that'll do it. Uh, thanks for joining me, Kelsey. Where can people find your stuff?
1: Um, I host a podcast with Andres where if if you listen to this podcast, you know him or at just two lads podcast on Instagram. If you're interested in me personally, which I don't know, maybe you are, um, you can follow my Instagram, which is just my name at Kelsey Gitlin. But yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: (laughs) Okay. And as for my plugs, uh, you can follow me at Steven Schindler on Twitter and Instagram, Steven Schindler Storytelling on Facebook. You can find my fantasy horror comedy novel, Lemons of Rain, which is on Amazon. More info at stevenschinder.com. And check out Star Trek Culture over on the Culture Slate YouTube channel. I've been on those. Uh, it's been on a break, but you can like check those out whenever. And if you want to email this podcast for whatever reason, you can email podcasts at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of I don't know, baby media or something.
1: Baby um, media?
0: Yeah, it's it's like a whole genre unto <laughs> itself. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, check out Kelsey and Andres on Just Two Lads and let them know who your favorite lad is, I guess. It's me.
1: Uh, you guys, it's me. I'm your favorite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My- <laughs> my favorite is Marco. I'm just going to admit that.
1: (laughs) He's very lovable. He's the lad behind the curtain.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess someone who like edits like podcasts, it's like, I, I relate to that. So (laughs) yeah, Marco's a real trooper.
1: He is. We love you, Marco.
0: (laughs) All right. And the next episode of delayed replay will be about either the seventh, paranormal activity movie or the tenth Fast and Furious movie, whichever one gets recorded first. Um, but yeah, it's there've been a lot of those movies. <laughs> uh but without further delay, have a good day. Bye.